Epiphany Church in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. Hi there, podcast listeners. It's Pastor Brian here. Sorry for the delay on this week's sermon, but the good news is that we figured out the tech glitch and it has been worked out. Uh, While I have you here, though, before this week's sermon arrives, I did want to share a quick detail. Uh, Starting this Sunday, uh, we're going to change our podcast posting schedule. Over the past season, we know we've been recording this sermon uh, prior to the Sunday service and then scheduling it to arrive on Sunday mornings for those who aren't regular Epiphany attenders. I asked you all about that a couple of weeks back, and the feedback I received is that most folks are listening to this podcast during the week. And the Sunday morning timeline is not a vital detail for them. So starting soon, uh, you're going to hear recordings of the actual sermon delivered on Sunday morning, edited and posted on the following Monday or Tuesday. It'll be a little bit with a transition here. Give us some grace. I haven't hit the record button in the pulpit in a while, so that's a habit I'll need to get back to. But in the meantime, I hope this sermon and the ones to come continue to bless you, the the subscribers, throughout the week. And we hope to see you Sunday morning at some point soon if we haven't seen you recently. Uh, God bless you all. Take care. And uh, as this pandemic season continues on, know that we uh, miss you on Sunday mornings. And again, we hope to see you soon. On Friday a thief, on Sunday a king, laid down in grief, but I woke with the key to hell. Welcome to Epiphany's Sunday Sermons, a podcast ministry of Epiphany Anglican Fellowship in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. Our church exists to help people discover and rediscover the love of God in the Christian gospel. To learn more about our church, visit our website at epiphanyligonier.org. Here's the thing, you know, I think everybody loves Captain America. You didn't come to church today to hear me talk about Marvel superheroes, but give me a second. You'll you'll see where I'm going. Uh, Everybody loves Captain America, right? He's the personification of everything good about our country condensed into superhuman form. And then everybody loves Iron Man, right? He's the personification of this idea that our technological savvy can be harnessed for human good, that our technology can save the world, The same goes for Black Widow, the secret agent assassin, because she can fight with the big boys and she doesn't lose her femininity in the process. I never thought I'd live in a world where, you know, the Avengers were outpacing the DC superheroes like Superman and Batman, but here we are. I think the Avengers, the Marvel superheroes are doing very well. They're so popular right now. But I think if there were an Avenger that were overlooked... If there was one particular superhero that deserves better, um, I think uh, there there is one that I think deserves our consideration. Uh, This hero, his toys don't sell as much. His Halloween costumes are the last ones to be sold on the rack every year. I'm talking, of course, about the Incredible Hulk. (laughs) The Incredible Hulk. Right, you know the Hulk, the big green monster, right? 
He's more of a Jekyll and Hyde character. His day name is Dr. Bruce Banner, but Dr. Bruce Banner got zapped by gamma rays. And so whenever Bruce Banner gets angry, he balloons into a giant green monster and his clothes rip off, except for his shorts, of course, which is good. And he gets superhuman strength and he smashes everything in his path. And the Hulk is this hope, this embodiment that our anger... Uh, Although it may be out of our control sometimes and it may get away from us, our anger can be redeemed to save others, to save ourselves. And I've never seen a real-life giant green hulk in real life, to be sure, but I have seen many little and effective pseudo-hulks in the years 2020 and 2021. Our sermon series right now is The Divine Debrief, The Gospel in the Age of COVID-19, and we're debriefing the past year and a half of our pandemic life together and asking how the gospel interacts with the themes of our time. And today I want to speak about your inner hulk. I want to speak about anger. And some of this I don't really need to talk about that much. I don't have to convince you that the past year and a half has been a year filled with anger. We're angry for all sorts of reasons. We're angry at the government because they're either too hard and restrictive because of COVID matters, or we're angry at the government because they weren't restrictive and hard and locking down enough. We're angry at our neighbors because they disagree with us on the proper way to navigate the pandemic. We're angry at our work situation because uh, it takes four times the amount of work to do the same work we used to do when we um, were working before the pandemic, and now it takes four times the effort to get that done. And we're angry with our bosses. We're angry with our coworkers. We're angry with our family members, right? It, because if those family members would just get over themselves and see things our way, then we could have the holidays that we would want or the vacations that we look forward to every year. But perhaps... In this pandemic, we've discovered we're also angry at ourselves. We're angry at the ways that we have self-sabotaged our own best lives. We're angry at the mistakes we made and the consequences that we are now facing because of those past mistakes. We're angry at ourselves for not living up to the standards we've set for ourselves. For um, We're angry at ourselves for not being able to handle the pandemic uh, season with skill and composure and leadership that we thought we had within us. And we Americans have a conflicted relationship with anger, right? Because on the one hand, uh, on my son's toy school bus, you press this little red button, and it sings a song. And the song goes, Be nice, be nice, not just once or twice. Be warm and kind to the folks you find, keeping nice things on your mind. (laughs) Um, Even though I want to take the batteries out of this toy, because the song is so annoying. uh, Right? Our kids need to learn to control their anger, to not be little green mini hulks all the time. I once heard somebody say that the most violent creature on earth, the most hair trigger creature, the most angry creature on earth was a human toddler. They're just too weak to be dangerous. (laughs) Um, But even if I do want to take the batteries out of this toy, we of course want our kids to recognize that anger is something that is not to control them. And in fact, on the other hand, we're told that our anger is power. We are asked to channel our anger towards a greater good. Are you angry about your work? Do something about it. Go up the channels or put in your two weeks notice. Are we angry at a political level? Write letters, start petitions, let your anger fuel the change you want to see in the world. 
We're not going to take it anymore, sang Twisted Sister, channeling their anger into a certified gold single. Anger is, after all, the emotion of injustice. And I think that's important to remember because I'm not sure we always stop to think about it that way. That anger is the emotion of injustice. It's the anger, anger is the emotion that is sparked when things are not treated in a fair and just manner. Kids know this intuitively, don't they, right? Um, you know, when you tell your little kid, no, you may not play with the kitchen knife or the bottle of bleach or the staple gun, right? They have this angry response, you know, you are standing in the way of the thing that I want and that's that's unjust. I want the thing and I can't have the thing. And I think this is why teens are perpetually angry and moody, stereotypically anyway, because they're learning the many ways that the world is not a fair place. They're shedding off their naivete. And it's not just that they can't have the car to go to the movies with their friends. It's also navigating their own high school and middle school drama and the myriad of socio-emotional unfairness that they're witnessing. But also they partake in it a little bit too, right? How many times have you, the kids in your orbit ever come to you and uttered this immortal phrase in anger? They say what? It's not fair. You hear it in the activist community, right? What is the popular slogan of the activist community? If you're not angry, you're not paying attention. And you heard it from Donald Trump during his 26th presidential election debate. Um, this really stuck out to me as I was listening to him as a candidate, and I thought he was tapping into something here, right? Because the other candidates accused him of being unreasonably angry, of tapping into this unhealthy vein of anger. And his response was, what did Donald Trump say? I will gladly accept the mantle of anger. And it's a reference to his platform to fix the political injustices that he saw in Washington, D.C., so anger is this emotion of injustice. We all become angry when we are not treated properly. And so I wonder when you have been spitting mad recently, I, can you think of a time when you were angry over this pandemic season? Um, I was once grounded as a teenager for not doing a chore that I promised I would do. And there's still um, in my childhood home, uh, in the, the den, in the family den, uh, next to the computer nook, there is this little indentation on the wall that is the shape of my right hand, middle finger knuckle. I had punched the wall in anger when I got grounded as a teenager, right? One week, total overkill, mom and dad. Um, and so for what it's worth, it really, really hurt. And it didn't make me feel better. And so I didn't punch any more walls after that. But I did punch a wall once. And um, I'm never going to do it again because it doesn't really help. But I got so mad that I, I, I wanted to punch a wall. And, um, you know, the matter of, of anger is not a thing that's rooted just in our own time. It, anger has existed in all times and all places. Even my dog gets angry, right? Do you have a pet that gets angry with you? My dog, uh, the beautiful golden retriever, uh, Ginger the Wonder Puppy, um, she harumphs around the house when she doesn't get her way. She's such a drama queen. And you can tell when she's angry because instead of laying close by and near you, she will lay down on the other side of the room and she will position herself uh, to point her nose away from you and her rear end towards you. And that's how she shows her displeasure because she doesn't want to look at you. Uh, eye contact is dog language for I love you. And so she positions herself in a way where you can't possibly make eye contact with her because she's saying, well, I don't love you right now because I'm angry and I'm not getting what I want. The Bible has a lot to say about anger. 
People in the ancient Near East were as angry as the people in 21st century America. I don't have time to go through the entirety of the Bible's take on on the nature of anger, Uh, so I'm going to summarize it to you like this. If I were to summarize the whole of the Bible's teaching on anger, I would describe it to you um, as if it were a metaphor of a stick of dynamite, a lit stick of dynamite. Like think old school cartoons with the the little red cylinder with the fuse on the end, like you know TNT. Um, That's how anger is described in the Bible. Whether it's Proverbs, whether it's the Psalms, whether it's Jesus' ministry, whether it's the New Testament um, uh, epistle writers, anger is like a stick of dynamite. And the fuse has been lit on this stick of dynamite. And the longer we hold on to this stick of dynamite, the scripture says, the more dangerous it becomes. That's why Paul recommends in our reading today from Ephesians 4, right? Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Paul is writing to a church in conflict and he sees this conflict, this anger is boiling over and this anger has the potential to cause long-term spiritual life-destroying damage if the dynamite of anger is not diffused. And so he says in the same reading, he says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. He says, diffuse the bomb. Do not let it go off. Do not let it damage the church. Our psalm today says it this way. It says, refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. Um, this is a psalm that is, or, or, that is for those who have been wronged, reminding them that God is the ultimate judge and God will deal with these matters in God's own time, right? Because if anger is the emotion of injustice and God is a God of justice, then we believe that God is stronger than our anger. We as Christians believe that and one day justice will prevail and so we need not dwell long on our anger because God will take care of the offense, But as Jesus outlines in Matthew 5 today, what what our anger really does display is it displays a lack of confidence in God's justice. Jesus says, look, everyone who's angry with his brother, right, angry with his brother, will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. And Jesus is comparing our anger towards other people to murder. When we are angry, Jesus says, it betrays a lack of faith in God's justice. And Jesus says in our reading that our lack of faith, that our anger makes us ultimately sinful. I know that's heavy, right? That's that's very heavy because you and I are being brought low today by Jesus's great standard. There are a number of times Jesus does this. I, I don't want to gloss over it, but at the same time, The scripture does have this unifying theme to say that anger is not for us to dwell in. I once heard a biblical scholar suggest that Jesus was never angry. At least as he is presented in the Gospels, he's not. He is disappointed and frustrated and melancholy, yes, but not angry. Uh, Even in the famous cleansing of the temple scene where Jesus sees the temple in Jerusalem filled with money changers and... and, and, um, salesmen, livestock salesmen, and they're there to take advantage of religious pilgrims and 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 charge them more than the market price to make money, uh, making money in God's house that way. Um, this scholar 
suggests that we superimpose our righteous anger onto Jesus when Jesus drives them out with a whip. That uh, perhaps uh, when Jesus is driving them out with a whip, um, he is likened to a sheriff serving an eviction notice. The sheriff is not angry at the people being evicted. He is simply there to do his job. Or perhaps, this scholar suggested, uh, Jesus cleansed the temple with a mischievous smile and a, and a twinkle in his eye, delighting in the chaos that he was causing. Imagine the scene as cows and goats stampede out, stampede out into the streets and doves fly free in the air. Imagine a Jesus smiling and laughing uh, with joy and... and um, and sort of, uh, you know, happiness uh, as these money changers crawl around the stone floor picking up every penny that has been lost. I mean, I don't know if I believe this scholar all the way, but he makes a compelling point, right? Because it seems inconsistent that the Jesus who says anger is akin to murder in Matthew 5 would fly into a righteous Hulk rage some 16 chapters later in Matthew 21. And, and I think the way you understand it, at the very least, what you can say is you can chalk it up to the unavoidable fact that God himself gets angry. There's no doubt about that. God gets angry. It's all over the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. The world he created has gone haywire. And the temptation there to take the thing that he created that somebody else has messed up now, the temptation there is to, to do a Noah and flood the whole thing and start over. The difference is, of course... Our anger is uncontrolled, and our sense of justice is imperfect. God's anger is the opposite. It is totally under his control, and his sense of justice is perfect. God is not the Incredible Hulk. And, and so if anger is a bomb with a lit fuse that you and I should extinguish or drop and run away and throw it away and be done with it and, and, and take cover, if that's what anger is to us, we might consider God to be the great demolition specialist. God can take anger and do righteous things with it in a way that you and I can't. God does not fly off the handle. Um, God does not key his ex's car. God does not kick the dog after a hard day of work. God does not swallow his anger and overeat. God knows how to be angry and not sin, which is not something that is intuitive for us. So that's the issue at hand if we're going to talk about the Bible and anger. We must be very, very careful with it if it's you and I, because anger is the emotion of injustice, and you and I must be very careful with it, lest we perpetuate the injustice in our rage. But God's anger, however, is well within his control, and he can act on it as he prefers. I was away on a retreat this weekend with other priests in our diocese, and it was good to get away. Um, I still had a lot of work to do when I got back, but that, that it didn't draw down the workload, but it was good to get away. And while I was on retreat, I was working through a particular COVID emotion that I had had. I had been feeling like a hypocrite pastor. I, I had been. And here's why. Because when the pandemic started, I thought to myself this. This is how I thought. I said, okay, we Christians have what we need to navigate this pandemic. We understand the, the love of God. We do not fear death because of the resurrection. Church is good for our mental health. We have a leg up on our friends and secular counterparts outside the church because the things that the gospel does to us help make us to be um, spiritual people who can navigate the pandemic well just by virtue of our belief in the Christian gospel. 
And here's the thing. It made me feel like a hypocrite to think this because what I was discovering was even though I had the right spirituality, as they say, uh, I found myself struggling more than many of my church friends, <laughs> at least on the outside. I'm sure they're struggling on the inside, but but on the outside, I felt like, well, hold on a second. I should be doing better than this. I have a proper Christian spirituality. Um, I often talk about the pragmatic benefits of Christianity because I believe them, right? Christianity in many ways makes our lives better. But in this moment, I thought to myself, I don't, I don't see this working. What's going on? And so I took this to God on the retreat. I said, Lord, I feel like a hypocrite. What am I doing wrong? Do I, am I not reading the Bible right? Do I not understand the theology right? Uh, is there a problem in my faith somewhere that, because I'm struggling so much during the pandemic? And after some prayer, the insight that God gave me was this. He said, um, you have to remember, Brian, your faith doesn't always make your life easier because your faith can, in this world, make your life much, much harder. <laughs> God said, your faith actually makes your life much more harder, much more inconvenient. And, and, and this is an example of that happening. And so to, to return our conversation to anger, one of the things that this pandemic has done to me is it's made me realize I don't have access to the emotional catharsis and the good feelings of righteous anger because I'm a Christian. Anger makes people feel better to be the victim, to blame other people for their misfortunes, to brag about a self, a sense of self suffering and injury. Anger right, is at the core of people who called Donald Trump a fool back in 2020, and now it's at the core of the people calling Biden a fool in 2021. It's the very thing Jesus says not to do is to call people a fool. And, and I can't do that, right? My hands are tied. Uh, th there is power in anger, right? People can become their own incredible hulks. They can tap into a rage. They can take the lit dynamite and do things with it that I, because of my relationship to Jesus, I don't have access to that same power. I don't have access to that sense of, you know, maybe ungodly comfort that other people have. So when we are denied access to our anger, uh, we are forced to make amends, right? That's the vision of our readings today. We're forced to make amends quickly, to deal gently with people, to go the extra mile with people we'd rather really not walk with in our journeys together. Um, to have turned our anger over to God uh, means that everything is harder, everything takes more time, and everything is exponentially more complicated. And it, it truly is the harder way, and I mean that sincerely. At the same retreat this week, we received a report from our bishop, um, and uh, Bishop Minz, our interim bishop, was telling us about the persecution of Christians in Nigeria. And one of the priests in their diocese um, had been brutally killed by a gang of Muslim um, hoodlums. Um, they drove to his home, they killed him, they killed his family, and then drove away. And local pastors in this province of Nigeria were split over the matter in their grief and in their anger, right? How should they move forward? Some advocated that the diocese consider buying handguns so that all the clergy could protect themselves, that they should arm themselves for godly self-defense. And other Christians said that priests should not resist martyrdom and embrace the persecution because, after all, um, we are more most like Jesus when we um, face uh, injustice head-on uh, at our own cost. And so these priests and their bishop were, were arguing and they turned to our bishop and they said, Bishop Minns, you are a man of God. Tell us what you think and that is what we shall do. And how did our bishop respond? He said, 
I shall pray with you, pray for you with all my heart, but this is your decision. I cannot make it for you. So when we say this is a harder way, right, to respond to injustice with compassion um, and to respond uh, outside of anger with uh, mercy and grace, this is not a light matter for us or for the church global. And so our options are to either turn over our anger to God and do this harder work, or we could go the other way, which is to embrace our anger and use it as a tool to get what we want. The thing is, though, um, God is presented with the same issue, right? The God who cares deeply about the world that he made, the God who witnesses injustices all the time, right? God could have hulked out on humanity if he wanted. Um, But instead, God chose to move beyond anger and seek out another solution to his complicated relationship with us. Because instead of pouring his anger out on us, God instead called in a mediator of sorts, to use a worldly example. Someone who could stand in for both God and humanity and bring about a just reconciliation between them. And so is this is the role that Jesus Christ plays in the great cosmic work of his death and resurrection. Because God cares deeply about the, the injustices of the world. And Jesus Christ, in his death and resurrection, navigates that. He satisfies God's um, concerns of injustice. But at the same time, God also wants to be in relationship with his people, the very people doing the unjust things. And Jesus' death and resurrection uh, lets him be in communion with those people too. That beyond anger, Jesus Christ's death and resurrection is both the thing that, um, that takes care of the righteous uh, injustice that God is so carefully, deeply concerned about, but it also preserves the relationship and, and so that the targets of God's anger are not wiped off the face of the earth. The bloody cross and the empty tomb, friends, is the fullest expression of God's desire to not let anger ruin his relationship with us. This is why we can say with confidence that God is not angry with you. Let me say that again one more time, just so you're aware. The bloody cross and the empty tomb is the fullest expression of God's desire not to let anger ruin his relationship with us. And that is why we can say, I can say as a preacher with confidence, God is not angry with you. So when we embrace the harder way, when we don't let the sun go down on our anger, when we make peace quickly with the people that we're mad with, When we refuse to lower ourselves to name-calling and personal insults, we're cutting ourselves off from the Hulk-like power of anger, but we're also connecting ourselves to the merciful and harder way of God, whose character, as our liturgy says, is always to have mercy. And so I enjoin you today, my friends, to embrace this harder way. Take the time bomb of your anger and deal with it fast. Drop it and run or extinguish the fuse. Turn your outrage and your righteous anger over to a God who will deal with the matter with justice. Reject the world's invitation to become the Hulk when you are slighted, ignored, or forgotten. And never forget that God chose this anger-free, harder way to preserve his loving relationship with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. On Friday a thief, on Sunday a king.
Church in Ligonier, Pennsylvania.